0: Who says, wives, submit to your own husband as unto the Lord. And verse 23 uh, says, for the husband is the heir of the wife, as Christ is the heir of the church and is the savior of the body. Uh, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husband in everything. This is where I'm going. Verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church that he gave himself for her. I'm not about to preach to men or preach only to women. And this message is actually not only about how we love ourselves. Because this particular scripture, for instance, some men don't like it. Before you quote this scripture, they said, go to verse 22. Tell them verse 22 first. So we're not doing that today. I brought this up for a reason. It's to, you know, for me, bringing back old memories. Because I remember when i was in courtship with my wife and i read this verse 25 especially husbands love your wife as christ loved the church and i thought to myself how would god think that i would need encouragement any form of encouragement to love this beautiful woman she was the last thing on my mind before i went to bed and the first thing on my mind when i woke up in the morning My mind was always full of her. And then I was reading Ephesians 525. Husband, love your wife. I don't need any encouragement. For what? I, I love her to bits. Yeah. Relax, relax. Before you clap too much. Because I know some of you will withdraw your clap when you hear the things I want to say. So I thought I needed no encouragement at all to love her. I thought I was just going to love her anyhow because the love was shocking me. Yes. Until we got into the marriage. <laughs> and then, you know, it gets to a point when you read Ephesians 5.25, you say, loud it. <laughs> because. I'm not sure I'm hearing it. (laughs) This is where I'm going. We are created for connection, not isolation. I've said that many times in this church. And we get to places in our lives where our capacity to love and to receive love will start to be whittled away and to reduce and to be impaired by the things that we have gone through. So, a lot of the time we all start out with great love in our hearts. I'm not only even talking about marital relationship. As humans, we're born with a clean slate. We love everybody. We want to be, you know, uh, creatures of love because God is love and God wants to communicate love to us all the time. He wants to reveal himself to us as a loving father. And the way he wired us was supposed to be able to receive love and to give love. To receive and give love. Anyone without adequate capacity to receive and to give love will not be able to maximize his or her life. Can I say that one more time? Anyone without adequate capacity to receive and to give love will not be able to maximize their destinies. Why? Because God's Original intention for you and I is to continue to grow in our capacity to receive love and to give love. That's what makes our life meaningful. So it, starts, it started us out within the family setting where we're supposed to receive love and then give love back. So we know our parents were supposed to love them or they're supposed to love us and then we're supposed to reciprocate the love. That's God's original intention. So when a child is brought up well within a home, the child should grow up knowing love so that they can give it and receive it. But the problem in our world today is that we live with imperfect people under imperfect circumstances and then life happens to us. A good example is Joseph in the Bible. Joseph, we had... Something in common. I had something in common with him. He grew up in the midst of a crowd, in a polygamous home. Jacob had wives and concubines. Yeah. Four women gave birth for, to, for, for Jacob. And Joseph was one of the young, younger ones. And at the age of 17, I was challenging singles in the first service today. At the age of 17, Joseph started to get the impression that there was something different about his life and the greatness started to, to call on him. But it was as if they were waiting for him in his home. That that vision will, will destroy it for you. we will deal with you. And some of us grew up like that. Grew up in a very cantankerous environment. Grew up in the midst of enmity and strife and bitterness. And it erodes our capacity... To love and be loved. Or to to give love and to receive love. And this eroded capacity becomes seriously amplified when we get into marriage. Because in marriage, you are supposed to channel that love, especially towards one person, who is your primary object of love outside of God. And so when Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, husbands love your wife, wives submit to your own husband, is that it's no longer natural for us because life has happened to us. So two people are in a marriage right now, in a relationship, and one person is suffering from an intense sense of lack of security because they've been dealt with severally now they are struggling to trust people. Many people are married to people they cannot trust. If I'm making sense, say amen. Amen. Yeah. Many people are married to people they cannot trust. All kinds of things happening around us. But that will not still negate the fact that God has an original intention for you and I as regards our marital destinies. And we have to strive for that original intention to be uh, 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 what we experience from time to time. So it's time to piece it together. It's time for me to take responsibility for my brokenness so that I can be that person who is developing capacity to love somebody and to receive love from somebody. You know, somebody can be so broken you've lost every capacity to receive love. When people are loving you too much, you start to run away. Because you feel that there's there's something they have in mind. That was what happened to the woman at the well in the book of John, that Jesus met at the well in in John chapter 2. Yeah? And um, right there, Jesus said, give me water. That woman all her life People have collected things from her. Somebody collected her virginity. <laughs> Sorry, I'm saying it that way. But <laughs> people have been taken from her. As at that time, she had been married four times or five times. And five times, and the one she was living with, she was not married to that person. It's alive has been like people just taking from her, taking from her, taken from her. Taken from her. Now, the God of the universe, Jesus, son of God, showed up and the first thing was, he asked her for something, said, they have come again. <laughs> That's how Nigerians speak now. They have come again. Yeah. That was her attitude because of where she was coming from. And Jesus said, if you know the person that is asking you, you will know a new man is in town. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like all the men that you've dealt with, Lady when I ask you for something, it's because I want to give you something
1: greater.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I want to give you something greater. They said, if you know the one that is talking to you, <laughs> I'm able to give you water that will become a well in you that will spring forth to eternal life. Yeah. But you see, when you have been in broken places, when, you have exp- when life has happened to you, even when God shows up sometimes, you think he's a demon. Yeah. People would have lost capacity to receive love completely. Completely. Hurting so deeply, some of such people are in a marriage as we speak. There's, I mean, there's no way that that kind of marriage can be an ideal marriage or can experience peace until something happens to that brokenness. Until something happens to that brokenness. So, when we talk about being solid, which is what this series is all about, because the entire series will target solid, solid does not mean perfect. Perfect, from the dictionary, means being free of any defect or any fault. Nobody is perfect, only God is perfect. However, I want you to help me look at your neighbor today, whether it's your spouses and beside you or somebody that you don't know before, but tell them you can be solid. solid. Tell your neighbor, I'm not expecting you to be perfect, but you can be solid. solid. And somebody can say, what does it mean to be solid? Look at this. To be solid, it means to be stable, to be secure, reliable, and strong. Can you put that up for me, please? All right, quickly. Stable, secure, reliable, strong, and emotionally whole. When you look at this, everyone wants to be like this or be married to somebody who is like this. Somebody that's reliable. I mean, it's frustrating in marriage to be with someone that you cannot rely on for anything. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but I, I can see that you are reliable that you are secure when you are with somebody who is not secure there will be turbulence ah i worked with someone before who was not secure if you say something and you didn't say it where the md will hear about it yeah because it is like the person feels the whole world was against him or her i don't know if you understand what i'm saying you, you came in and you are not smiling for yourself because you are not feeling good but the person thinks about him. He said, I had my issues from my house. It's not that has nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. Is it my first to smile? I refuse to smile now. And three people are now coming to me and say, Why are you not smiling and so on and so on? Uh, why now? <laughs> it's my smile. <laughs> why must everything be about you? Because insecure people think that everything that is going wrong. It's about them. If somebody's behaving somehow, it's about them. They, they've even lost the capacity to reason that people are free moral agents. Not everybody will like you, and it's their choice whether they want to like you or not. You, there's, there's nothing you can do to make some people like you. They've just made up their mind, and I'm okay whether you like me or not, and then I move on because I'm securing myself. God loves me. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, in the bid to get people to like us, we misbehave. And it's our insecurity and the place of brokenness that is showing up. So, we, I'm trusting God this season that God is raising solid people in this church. Amen. Solid spouses in this church. Amen. Because we are taking responsibility for our emotional state in the name of Jesus. So let me, let me ask a few questions. The offshoots, from what I've seen in counseling, the offshoots of the manifestations of brokenness. Why are some spouses competitive or jealous of each other's progress? These are signs that something is broken. We are supposed to be collaborators, not competitors. Why are some spouses overly paranoid and suspicious of their mates? Somebody that is supposed to be watching their, you know, their back and um, and be the encourager of their destiny—you are the one who is provoking their destiny. Why are some spouses overly paranoid and suspicious of their marriage? Why do some people hide money from their spouses? Yeah. It is the baggage that they brought into the marriage. Yeah. When you live in a place where you cannot trust anybody with your money, even when you get married. You are still watching your back and looking. Though yeah. we came to the altar and we said, what belongs to you belongs to me. yeah, We have been made one. But when it comes to money, no, we are two. <laughs> one, but when it comes to certain things, then we are two. That's what happens a lot of the time when we're dealing with brokenness and we're refusing uh, you know, to come to terms with it. Why do some couples undo delay? Badly. Delay in conception, delay in economic progress. Why is undo handled so badly to the point that it's breaking the home? You know, some, some people put their spouses under immense pressure. What they don't understand is that there's a God-shaped hole in the heart of every man. No human being can feel it. Only God can feel it. So when you're married and you put your spouse under intense, pressure to meet certain needs in your life they are going to kill that person yeah because you want to turn them to God God is our primary source we taught this earlier this year every other human being around us from spouse to sibling to friend to church member to anything that channels and from time to time the scenario let me paint a picture for you it's like driving into a fuel station where you want to refuel, and then you park in front of a particular pump, and you tell them, in this station today, if you don't sell from this pump, I'm not, I'm not buying, I'm not living here. You know, they will either call police or a doctor because there's something is wrong. Because they told you that that pump is the one that is dispensing right now. This one is dry. Go to that one. But some people will just stay there and make trouble. Because when my spouse cannot provide doesn't mean that god cannot provide i don't know if you understand what i'm saying yeah they look unto him and they were lightened and they were not ashamed i'm not saying this to mean that we should excuse our you know our breadwinners and our men for them not to be responsible no i'm just saying that life happens life happens and when life happens to someone and they're temporarily incapacitated to provide if you have always made God your source that will not break down and destroy that marriage as many marriages have been destroyed just because of temporary lack of provision Yeah, and we're Christians our marriages are supposed to run on biblical principles and biblical worldview glory be to Jesus Why are some spouses unable to stand each other's weaknesses or differences? It's brokenness. Now, there are three levels of brokenness. The relationship may be broken. And some relationships are broken because they were premised on wrong notions. Yeah, premised on wrong notions, premised on, you know, the foundation had had been terrible. And nobody has done anything to the foundation. I pray this month that God will revisit the foundation of some homes here and help you to rebuild it in the name of Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. So when the the, the relationship itself is broken, it becomes transactional. A place that's supposed to be a place of love becomes a place of business. (laughs) I don't know if you get what I'm saying. When a relationship is broken, love is no longer flowing. We're just doing transaction. Have you moved the money to my account? Yes. There's no love, there's no affection, there's no intimacy, there's no sense of, you know, accountability to each other. We're just, it's just for the motions, you know, and for for everybody to just know that we're still together. I've done my part, you do your part, let's just go. When we reduce marriage to that point without asking ourselves certain questions that can take us back to the place where we started from, to our first love. To what brought us together, to the fact that God brought us together and put affection in our hearts for one another to be the primary object of love and affection for one another. To, according to the scriptures, to say, drink water from your own system, running water from your well. Water is for refreshment, is for replenishment. And he said, drink water from your, from your, 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 your system, yeah. And he's saying, commit to your spouses and derive. Affection from this home and don't allow it to run dry. But When a relationship is broken, this is what happens. Sometimes the spouse may be broken and sometimes you may be the one that is broken. And it's a bad case when two terribly broken people overlook their brokenness, they do nothing about it, and they are running a marriage. That's a disposable marriage. Those are the kind of marriages that just end abruptly. Because there are things we are supposed to be able to look into very well that we may not have looked into for many years and we're using bandage to hold things together. We're not focusing on real healing. We just don't want the thing to petrify and for things, for smell to come out, you understand? So we are dressing and dressing. But you know that this dressing cannot lead to real healing. It's like when you have a wound that needs a uh, What do they call it? That. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But all you do is apply plaster. But the thing is still open there. Ideally, they should sew it together. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Because a certain kind of wound, when you get to the hospital, they tell you, ah, no, this one is not just plaster. We need to piece it together, we need to pull everything together. Some people just keep putting plaster, and before you know it, yeah. In my training in engineering, they say that um, uh, in, I, took some, I, I studied mining engineering in my first degree, but I took some electives in civil, in fact, core courses in civil engineering. They it, say sometimes that when you see a crack on a building, it's either it is structural or not. When it is structural, A lot of the time, the crack will emanate from foundation up. Not all the time. But you need to be able to see how the crack is going. If it's a structural error, you can apply further cement and, you know, particular on that thing, but it will still keep widening up. And over time, that wall may still give way. I hope you understand what I'm saying. There are many builders here listening to me. If I'm making a mistake, well, free, come and correct me after service. I'll change it. I'll say it better next Sunday. Yeah, because I have not practiced in over 20 years. But you understand what I'm saying. But a lot of the time, the mistake people make, even in buildings, is that they see a foundational crack. They will now say it's because the plastering has not set very well. That's why it's like that. Meanwhile, it's a foundational crack. It's not just the plaster. You know, if it's just the plastering you apply, you know, for that thing on it, and it will be okay. But if it's foundational, it will keep coming, and it will be widening with time. And that's what happens when we don't pay attention to certain issues of brokenness in our marriages. Why am I saying all this today? I'm saying this because we have come to a time as a congregation, and for everyone who will join us in this series, where God wants to revisit the foundation of our homes and help us with our brokenness. So that our marriages can become stronger. Glory be to Jesus. It's not the will of God that marriages will just break up anyhow. It's not the will of God that we will not pay attention to the places of our brokenness. God wants us to pay attention. He wants us to pay attention. and It's important that we pay attention. Sometimes people pay attention to the brokenness in the life of their spouses. In Matthew 7, when you read from verse 3 to 5, Jesus said that you should take care of the speck in your eyes before you deal with the log in your neighbor's eyes. Or take, take care of the, yeah, before you deal with the speck in your neighbor's eyes. Take care of the log. You know, you know a log? The better way to put it in Nigerian parlance is Nepal pole. Yeah. Some people have, like, electricity pole coming out of their eyes like this. And then they see a small speck. In their spouse's eyes and that's what they focus on oh god this thing is disturbing all of us this one that's coming <laughs> but, but that's what you're talking about <laughs> that's what you're talking about all the time and that's why we are not making as much progress if I decide I'm going to take care of the log that's coming out of my heart and leave that speck in my my spouse's eye for God to take care of maybe we'll make better progress so we're all broken And by brokenness I mean we are not perfect and we need to pay attention to it. The Bible says in the great house there are many vessels, some unto honor and some unto dishonor. Some vessels are completely broken while some are leaking. The reason why some people um, I told singles this morning why some people are not able to sustain relationships is because they are leaking. You leak somewhere, somebody runs away and then you go and leak somewhere else and you are are not asking yourself the question "Eh, why are people running away? Maybe I'm leaking. Maybe, yeah. And then we say, this thing, some people leak at home, they leak at work, they leak everywhere you leave a trace of something that is just flowing and it's time to work on on that brokenness. And it's also important for us today to understand that our brokenness that we can, God expects us to work on on our own and there are brokenness that we just need to front load to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when you read from verse uh, 7, 8, and 9 there, Paul was talking about a certain brokenness in his life. He did not, he he kind of codified it. He didn't didn't, didn't say it in in real terms for us to understand. He said, for these things I besought the Lord three times that he may take this away from me. Can you put this up for me? Praise God. 2 Corinthians 12 and and verse number 7. And uh, and he said in verse 9, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities than that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When there's an infirmity or weakness that is, that is too big for you, that is probably... What Paul was talking about here may not even be... You know, there's some that, that maybe follow us from our background or something. Sometimes it's even some kind of inability... That is frustrating. That's when to take it to God. The way Paul described it here is to have the understanding that weaknesses attract grace, just like sugar when you put it on the table or anything sweet. Ants will start to come. God says, when you frontload your grace, I mean your, your, your brokenness, your weaknesses, grace flows from me to you. Most of us, we hide the brokenness. The grace of God is not able to reach it. And then it continues to mess things up in our homes. And that has to come to an end. Paul said, I went to God. He said, three times, I besought the Lord. Can you go back, go, go, go back for me? Verse seven or so there. Verse seven. And he said, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of satan to buffet me lest i be exalted above measure verse 8 concerning this thing i pleaded with the lord 3 times that he may depart from me and he said god said no you know what thank you for bringing it my grace will now come upon you and by grace you will be able to do the things that you cannot do before i don't know if you understand what i'm saying now and paul said Infirmities attracts the grace of God to come upon us. Some things are there to refocus our attention back to God. Yeah, to refocus our attention back to God. To know that we are not an end in ourselves. And that's when grace starts to flow. But there are some other kinds of brokenness that God wants us to take responsibility for. there's something we need to do that we have refused to do. And until we start to do those things, God will not move in those kind of brokenness. Brokenness, you know, that we picked up on the way in life. Things that we get used to anyhow, we do. You know, some, some, some people just have a tendency to, to do certain things and do them in a certain way. Some people have lost capacity to empathize with their spouses. God wants you to take responsibility for how you grow in love and how you develop capacity to receive and to give love. The problem today is that there's brokenness that people are not aware of. You can be broken without knowing it. And then your normal will become, <laughs> you know, your normal is actually abnormal. You know, there are some people, three people, four people are telling you, This thing that you say, this is how you behave. That's not how to behave now. And say, but that's how I behave. That's how God created. God did not create you that way. The problem is that your normal is abnormal. Yeah. And you see, when you have normal that is abnormal, and you continue to just push it into your marriage like that, you are frustrating somebody. Yeah, you are frustrating somebody. That's the case of somebody who is broken and yet not aware of it. Yet not aware of it. Glory be to Jesus. So don't romance your brokenness. Seek healing. Can you hear me tell your neighbor, say, don't romance your brokenness. Seek healing. Be willing to uncover your brokenness. That's the message of today. Be willing to uncover your brokenness. Don't be dissuaded by the stench of the issues that you are dealing with. In John 11... When you read from verse 38 there, Jesus was in the house of Lazarus, and Lazarus' sisters welcomed him in tears. And Jesus said, after a few conversations, in verse 38 there, he said, show me where you have laid him. Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb, and it was a cave, and a stone laid against it. Look at verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. And look at Martha's response. The sister, Martha, of whom who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead four days. There are some issues that people are dealing with in marriage that has been there before the marriage. Some has been there before child I mean, since childhood. And what we think about is that let's just continue to cover it. Here they told Jesus he's been dead four days, there will be a stench. Yeah. Somebody here now, as so you're listening to me, let me tell you what the Holy Spirit is putting in my heart. You've lost the capacity to love your spouse, but you are just fulfilling the emotions. And the reason is that you've done things, things that have really separated you seriously emotionally. What God wants, and I speak to you as your pastor today, especially if you're a member of this church, what God wants from you is to remove the stone. Come clean and let's rebuild this relationship. If you have been unfaithful and you have covered it up and it's eroding your capacity to love, it's a case of You know, love is not something that you act. Is it that it's there or it's not there? And I say this to somebody here today. Stop marking time to when this marriage will be dead. It's not the will of God for your marriage to be dead. It's your negative action that will kill the marriage. Yeah, it's not the will of God. If you front load this weakness... And with a crucial conversation, God steps into it and turns the thing around. That's what happens here. Jesus said, This is where he was buried, right? He said, You guys have a responsibility here. You have to take this stone away. Martha said, Ah, four days. Four, you know, somebody's say, 20 years of all kinds of issues, unspoken and unspeakable. But yet we have to speak. Because it's when we speak that the power of God flows. Jesus said, Take the stone away. You know what some people prefer? God will do whatever He will do. Yeah. And you know, especially if you have an obtuse image of Jesus in your mind. You know, maybe you have been watching too much of Avenger, The Endgame, you know, others. (laughs) And the, the picture of Jesus you have in your mind is the one with. Unguided power. You can just. Yeah. So when he gets to that tomb, for instance, all he's supposed to do is just to stand as an avenger and say, hey. <laughs> and then the stone will just pair, and everything, stone will fly like this, and then he will just beckon on Lazarus. He won't go out to talk. Just, yeah. And then Jesus and Lazarus will come out like that. <laughs> avenger. <laughs> That's, that's what some people want God to do. He just want God to resolve it anyhow. But God says, If you trust me, there will be no stench. Take away the stone. And then I speak into that situation. You can't be hiding all these things you are hiding and you are looking for peace. You have eating the peace inside the things that you are hiding. Yeah. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. So it's important. That we understand that God wants to intervene. God wants to get in, in there. Don't be dissuaded by the stench of the issues you are dealing with. Frontload your weakness or your brokenness to God, because He specializes in restoration. Lastly, today are two challenges I'm leaving behind this afternoon. One is take away the stone, God will not take away the stone. And notwithstanding how terrible you think the odor or the stench of those issues will be, it will surprise you that the grace of God will overshadow it. Secondly, everyone that is married or in a relationship here, you must take responsibility for the kind of atmosphere that you are building in that relationship. That's my last admonition for today. Take responsibility for the atmosphere. There are terrible atmospheres that will never lead to healing in any marriage. The brokenness will become wider because there's no atmosphere for healing. And except the two of us are ready to take responsibility for that atmosphere, we are just playing games. We are not ready. And the atmosphere of healing, according to Jesus. In John chapter 8, a woman was brought to Jesus, caught in adultery. In the very act, they allowed the man to escape, they brought the woman. It's been long that we have been dealing unjustly with women, but I will keep it for another day. Because these are men who brought a woman. Can a woman be committed adultery by herself? No. And when the law of Moses was written, it was not written for women, it was written for adulterers. <laughs> but they brought the woman to Jesus, and they said this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. What should we do? I mean, because the law of Moses said we should stone her. And they already had their stone. The atmosphere was accusatory. The atmosphere was judgmental. The atmosphere was a terrible atmosphere. Unforgiving atmosphere. You can't have that in any home and have healing. Healing is not possible. Jesus, the Bible says, was writing on the floor. One theologian, you know, that I read some of his papers said, the suggestion was that maybe Jesus was writing their sins. All kinds of sins. Not their sins. As in sins. Started with adultery and then was writing, lying, writing, cheating, stealing, and all that. And when he has written enough, he looked up. He said, whoever has not committed sin before. throw the first stone. And the Bible says they started to drop the stone. Drop the stone. And that's the instruction that I have for somebody here today. It's time to drop the stone. Yeah. And create An atmosphere in your home that is devoid of rancor. An atmosphere of vulnerability where we can talk and and be vulnerable with each other. Create an atmosphere that avoids being judgmental. Jesus looked up and said, woman, where are your accusers? He said, they're no, no longer here. All of them are gone. Jesus dispelled that atmosphere. I mean, you can imagine that tension when the woman came to Jesus with all the people Pulling and shoving, we we're going to stone our master. What did he say? And, then, and by the time he finished dealing with them, everybody had gone. The atmosphere was calm, changed. It was an atmosphere of forgiveness, of healing, of restoration. And at that point, Jesus looked up. Why are you accusers? us? They are all gone. He said, Neither do I condemn you. So now go and sin no more. Not just go. Go and sin no more. Because the atmosphere upon your life right now is the one that can hate that. Can we create that kind of atmosphere in our homes? Atmosphere of forgiveness. Atmosphere of no negative criticism. Atmosphere that avoids being judgmental and atmosphere of growth and accountability. Positively challenging one another to do better and to grow. That's the kind of atmosphere that God expects us to create around our homes. Because if we do that, we'll see the hand of God like never before. So I'm throwing two challenges today. One, take away the stone, the the, the stones and the things that we have used to bury under the stench. And two, drop the stones. (laughs) The stone of accusation and judgment. We are all broken. We need healing. God is our healer. But it's an atmosphere that will be conducive for healing another atmosphere that will never be conducive for healing. Is somebody blessed today? I said, are you blessed today? I pray this afternoon that the grace of God comes upon your home. It brings restoration to you. That in this month of September, God is visiting somebody's marriage here. God is visiting somebody's marital destiny in the name of the Lord Jesus. Grace is released in a new dimension. Lift your two hands to Jesus today. And I want you to say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I commit myself to front load my weaknesses and my errors. I receive grace. I position for grace so that I can gain wholeness. I commit to cultivating an atmosphere of healing and wholeness in my relationships. Thank you, Father, for the supply of your grace today. In the name of Jesus. Father, we speak restoration over every home and over every heart. I speak healing into the heart of everyone that is hurting right now everyone who has gone through pain everyone who has been cheated everyone who has been abused i receive healing for you in the name of jesus and i ask that the grace of god rest upon you from this moment forward your homes and marriages will move forward your marital destiny shall be fulfilled if anyone has suffered any kind of delay because of brokenness i receive healing for you and i ask that my god will bring you to a new season in the name of the lord jesus with all heads bowed, I love to pray for someone here who may be saying. The